0: This is Grace Talks, a production of Simpson United Methodist Church in Bangor, Michigan.
1: Our scripture reading today is 1st Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 through 31. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want to Miss, i do not want you to be uninformed you know that when you were pagan somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols therefore i want you to know that no one who is speaking by the spirit of god says jesus be cursed and no one can say jesus is lord except by the holy spirit <clears throat> there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every everyone it is the same God at work. Now to each one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it, and God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, God our Lord and Savior. Amen. <clears throat> as with many families in recent years, the Global United Methodist Church has suffered greatly as, a cha- as the result of the changing tide of culture. And similar to a dysfunctional family, we've uncovered these deep wounds that have gone unhealed for decades, if not even centuries. In 2019, I attended the special general conference of the United Methodist Church in St. Louis, and it was convened to discuss the topic of human sexuality and the United Methodist Church's response to it. It ultimately ended with the delegates selecting the plan that preserved most that most preserved not only the institution but also the tradition. That sought to uphold the way that it's always been. What seemed to happen is that the conference was so focused on maintaining who the church has always been that it overlooked what and who the church has always been for. The general conference revealed a great depth of hurt and rigidity for tradition at the expense of other people. And if that's the case at the global level, so too can that just as easily be the case in local churches. In my last church, I was all but rejected due to various divides that I didn't even know were present, which I both inadvertently and admittedly at times purposefully stepped into. To put it plainly, we stand in this impossibly difficult time for every type of family system, and it leaves us the question, what exactly can be done to fix it? Well, enter the movie Encanto. Released just this past November, Encanto has exploded in popularity with the song, We Don't Talk About Bruno, outing Frozen's Let It Go as Disney's most popular song ever. Encanto tells the story of the family Madrigal, who 50 years ago, or 50 years before the movie starts, were displaced due to political unrest in Cuba, or Colombia, and seemingly due to the sacrifice of the father, the family is granted a miracle in the form of a living house, or casita, as well as magical powers for each of the three children. At the start of the movie, we learn that the family has only grown since then, with two of the three children going on to have kids of their own. Tensions arise, though, as the main character of the film, Mirabelle, is the first child to be born without magic. And so the core of the movie deals with her working to uncover why the miracle is dying and why the family is at risk of losing their powers. In the end, she, along with the family, realizes that the magic is dying because Abuela, the matriarch of the family and the initial recipient of the magic, have been holding on to the miracle too tightly. She's been holding on to the miracle so tightly that she's lost sight of who the miracle was for and why it came to them in the first place. And through words that very much needed to be spoken, Abuela is forced to realize her mistake and the family, after losing their powers, begins to rebuild their casita with the help of the the fellow townsfolk. Now, quite honestly, this is probably the quickest recap of a movie that I've done in this series. And that's mostly mainly because the bulk of the story is found not in the story itself but rather in the characters and their relationships. These characters are Abuela, the already mentioned matriarch of the family and the initial recipient of the miracle. And Abuela has three children, Peppa, whose mood affects the weather, and who is married to Felix, a lighthearted comic relief character, Bruno, who we don't talk about, but nevertheless, he has the gift of foresight, being able to see the future, and we have Julieta, who has the gift of being able to heal people with food, and she is married to Augustine, a lovable oaf who can be counted on to stand up for his loved ones when they're being mistreated. In the second generation, we have Peppa and Felix's three children. We have Dolores, who has supernatural healing, or hearing. We have Camilo, a shapeshifter. And we have Antonio, the youngest member of the family, who at the beginning of the movie receives the gift of being able to talk to animals. On the other side, we have the three children of Julieta and Augustine. We have Isabella, who can make plants grow. We have Louisa, who is super strong, and we have Mirabel, who, as I said, has no magic. The main antagonist of the movie we're led to believe, at least initially, is Bruno, the uncle who disappeared ten years before the movie starts. Over the course of the movie and through a dedicated smash hit song, we learn that he supposedly caused bad things to happen through his visions of the future. But when we finally meet him, we learn that he definitely has OCD. And he lives as a recluse in the walls of the casita. And he's been living there for the last 10 years in complete isolation. The problem we're shown isn't that he causes bad things to happen. The problem is that he is quite literally the bearer of bad news. In Bruno's case, the messenger is regularly shot. Meanwhile, our main character, Mirabelle, is believed by Abuela to be the cause of the family of the miracle's death. Mirabel is the squeaky wheel of the family who has replaced Bruno as the scapegoat for all of the problems of the family. Because of the tension that is building up around her, things finally come to a head as the magic does in fact die and the casita literally comes crashing down upon them. What we learn, as I hinted at in the recap, is that the problem is not Mirabelle at all, the problem is that Abuela has been holding on to the magic too tightly, and because of this, everyone is being harmed. Family members are no longer appreciated for who they are. They have no intrinsic or inherent value. Rather, the members of the family have value because of what they can do. They are valuable because of their magic. They are valuable because of what they mean for the miracle and its preservation. Each member of the family, especially those with powers, have been measured based on their value and have been assigned these backbreaking and inflexible roles that they can't deviate from. And we learn that this inflexibility is slowly killing all of them. Luisa, the strong one, is placed under an undue amount of pressure because she is tasked with literally holding everything together. She has to go, go, go nonstop in order to move everything from pianos to churches. And because of this, she feels devoid of joy or peace. Isabella, the one who can grow plants, carries the enormous weight of perfection. She has to be perfect. We learn that she is being partnered off to a guy that she's only marginally interested in, all for the sake of the family. Everything Isabella creates has to be perfect and beautiful, and again, nothing is allowed to exist on its own purely for its own sake. In one scene early on in the movie, she is being informed that she's going to be marrying the guy who is into her, who wants five babies, and this causes a crown of flowers to bloom on her head, and subtly, in a so-quick-you-can-miss-it moment, Abuela pulls out the one white flower that popped up so that... Only the lavender flowers remain so that everything can be perfect. When Isabella finally breaks down and begins to create things purely for their own sake, and purely because she wants to, she is chastised by Abuela for it. And this, along with Abuela's anger towards Mirabel for supposedly corrupting Isabella and confusing Luisa, the final straw... This, this serves as the final straw which ends up destroying the miracle as well as Casita itself. So to circle back, we have the character Bruno. The prophet who before Mirabel was the squeaky wheel in the family, his power resisted the commodification that Abuela intended for it and his power can't be commodified in a way that pleases people and because of that, He's driven out when we turn to our scripture text today we see Paul and Paul is envisioning the body of Christ as he frames it saying that we all have our purposes within the body we all have this intrinsic and inherent value and so too do we all have these purposes for which we can aid in the in the cohesion of the whole Each one of us are as valuable as every other person within the body. For if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, all the parts celebrate with it. We all have both intrinsic and inherent value and these incredible purposes and roles to play within the body. To bring this all full circle, to bring us back to the topic of the church, it might be easy to see the comparisons. The church, much like the family madrigal, can have this habit of being overly protective of its ways. It can be scared of what change might look like, it can be suspicious of those who disrupt, even if the disruption is good and needed. The church can be this institution that persecutes its prophets, that drives out or drowns out those who don't go along with the flow, but rather bear the bad news. The church can rely too heavily on what each person brings to the table to the point that it forgets that people have value purely because we are people. It can place so much pressure on its members with the ones showing up who are in turn being asked and expected to do everything. It can demand too much rigidity. It can cling too tightly to the way it's always been and what it's always done to the point that it misses out on why it's here in the first place. It can be so focused on maintaining the miracle, so to speak, on preserving the miracle that it misses out on who the miracle is for. And so how can the church heal itself? while well, it can operate more like a body or more like a family and less like an institution. Something alive and not inhuman. I've made this joke. I've made this. uh, I've made this comment a few times now, and maybe it's the underlying theme of this series. But bureaucracy is the death of love. And when the church behaves more like a bureaucracy, when the church behaves more like a business than a living collection of people, it begins to miss out on what it's for. The miracle begins to die. So what does the church need? Well, the church needs some Brunos to show it some possible futures, good or bad. The church needs some Augustines to stand up when it's mistreating people. The church needs some Mirabels who remind us that the miracle is not about the power that we wield, but rather the relationships we form. So too does the church need its Luisas, someone to do heavy lifting while being sure to provide plenty of care and rest so that they don't succumb to the unyielding pressure. It needs Julietas who heal, Isabellas who create, it needs Felixes and Camilos who remind us to loosen up, it needs Pepas, people who can tap into their emotion, Antonios who show a deep care for creation, and yes, it even needs the busybody Doloreses who know all the business and all the gossip. In the end, the magic returns to Casita when the family and the townsfolk come together and rebuild it. Early on in the movie, the family gathers for a picture, and in this initial picture, neither Mirabelle nor Bruno are included. Bruno because he's still in the walls, and nobody seems to know that, and Mirabelle because, well, she's not special like the rest of us. In that first picture, everyone is poised and perfect. Each person is showing off their respective power in a way that's staged and flashy and artificial. But in the end, the family gathers together for a new photo. And this time, Mirabelle is there and Bruno is there. And this time, the picture is not poised, the picture is not perfect. This time... They are taken by surprise, and a photo that is genuine is taken. They're caught up in something true, they're caught up in something beautiful, they're caught up in something authentic. Now, I don't want to leave this sermon off without a word on Abuela, because in so many ways, Abuela is the central antagonist to the movie. She is the villain, so to speak. And when I say that she is the villain, I, didn't, I in no way mean that she is the traditional Disney villain she's a woman caught up in her own trauma she's a woman caught up in her own need for control that she loses sight of why she was given the gift in the first place in the end abuela comes to realize her mistake and she makes her apologies but we are left with the question of what next there's still plenty of work that needs to be done before things can be properly restored Before relationships can be fully healed Bruno has been living in the walls alone for a decade and each of the kids are instilled with this unyielding work ethic that will take years to overcome at its heart this is a movie about family systems it's a movie about generational trauma and what it can do to a family remove the magic and many of us can probably see this family in our own family. We all have the older sister or older brother who holds everything together. We all have the ones who are expected to be perfect. We all have the family weirdos. This movie has a happy ending, but in so many ways, this might be better thought as a beginning. Because the family still needs to heal, even after the credits roll. The family still needs to address the trauma that they've all experienced, even after the end credits. The family can never allow the meaning of the miracle to be forgotten, because if they do, they might fall back into the same patterns they just escaped from, and everything might just have to start all over. And so it is with the church. This can't be a one-and-done Disney adventure. It has to be something ongoing. To maintain something is different than than building a monument that we can just observe and let stand unaltered. To do this means that we are gardeners. We have to cultivate, we have to maintain, we have to do the chores that sometimes really stink. In any setting that we find ourselves in, we always run the risk of accidentally creating monuments that we will cling to too tightly. We run the risk of creating something or finding something that we decide that we have to stick to at all costs, that we have to maintain a strict sense of rigidity in order to preserve. But if we take the time to remember who the miracle is for and why the miracle is there in the first place, in this case, the miracle being the church, in this case, the miracle being the community that we find ourselves in, then we will hopefully never become so focused on the idea Of the miracle that we lose sight of the purpose what we will realize is that what is important about the church is not the building it's not the institution it's not the system it's the people it's the relationships it's the community if this church that we're standing in right now burned down tomorrow knock on wood That would not be the end of the community gathered here if the worst thing happened and the church found its doors closing right after service today and never reopening knock on wood <laughs> what we would find is that the church still exists what we would find is that it is not the building It's not the pomp, it's not the circumstance, it's not the system, it's not the structures, it's not the bricks and all the nice features that we expect when we come to church on Sunday. It's us. It's this community. It's the love that we share between us. It's the love that we share for the community that we find ourselves in. And it is that love that the church exists to serve. Holy and intrinsically and inherently, we exist for love. We exist for one another. We exist for ourselves. We exist for God. May we share that love. May we share that family. And may we share that miracle. Amen.